At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. Tonight we're debating intelligent design on trial and we are starting right now with T-Rock and Taylor's opening statement. Thanks so much for being with us. T-Rock and Taylor, the floor is all yours. T-Rock. Thank you. I'm going to share my screen real quick. Let me know when everybody can see it. Good to go. Okay. Um, I uh, This is kind of a creation versus evolution, creation, intentional design versus um, naturalistic evolution uh, discussion. And so I'm going to present some criteria here for how to recognize design. It's very intuitive for, for um people of any age, um, for example, thing is designed and that was intentionally done by uh, somebody intelligent. And uh, at that, human intelligence above and beyond what animals are capable of. So <clears throat> with that, I always like to remind people, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Um, <clears throat> okay, so I've got some quick talking points here. Efficiency. <clears throat> High efficiency indicates better design generally. <clears throat> the um, the ATP synthase in biological systems is extremely efficient, way beyond what um, the most efficient machines that people are able to create um, can achieve. Integration, um, if you don't know what integration is, it's basically how components interact together. And so it can be at the component level or the system level. Um, designed systems always have elements of integration either and either or multi-component or multi-system. So you take a very simple concept like pen and paper. Um, the, the pen and the paper integrated together with the ink and they're both integrated with the human um, scale with uh, hand-eye coordination, that sort of thing. It's it's uh, it's actually as simplistic as, as pen or pencil and paper is. It's extremely highly integrated um, for, um, you know, intelligent use. So even very basic systems have show high degrees of, of system integration. Um, available resources, good designs capitalize on available resources. Um, the dirt that we walk on is integrated and designed and available for um, primarily, well, a bunch of, uh, obviously a whole bunch of applications, but plants grow in the ground. That's our food source. Uh, the ground provides us a place to live and operate and so on and so forth. Um, but good design utilizes available resources and looks ahead to make sure that resources will always be available. Um, designs that do not use that foresight can still be considered designs, but 
they're decidedly inferior. Um, okay, so redundancy of systems or components. You can think of something like a spare tire on a car. It's a redundant piece that you don't have to have to operate the car, but it is a an indication of a higher level design uh, for contingencies. Um, <clears throat> just one example, systems controls. You have material, what are you gonna do with it? It's information that tells you when, where, how much, the proportionalities, the order of events or the sequences that those materials are gonna come together. Um, so by definition, things that control those parameters are information systems. Um, <clears throat> Self-maintenance. This is uh, not all designed systems in the human world um, do this, but the ones that do, um, display a much higher level of design than systems that don't. Adaptability and versatility. So here you can think of differences between like a skateboard wheel and a and a car tire. Car tires um, by their nature are designed to uh, operate on a wider variety of surfaces than a skateboard wheel is. Uh, and versatility. Um, being able to use something for more than one purpose. Those are also um, highly indicative of design input output control so think of an automobile and how you put gasoline into it uh, so your your tank is designed uh, and your system is designed to use one type of fuel you put a cap on there so that you can control what goes in and therefore what comes out of the system um, specificity the more specific you get the higher level design tends to be you you can you can be too specific and create unnecessary um specificity i.e something like rube goldberg um, but high levels of specificity equate to high levels of design um, <clears throat> now biological systems have every one of these indicators every single one of them um it, it, it's pretty much unheard of for people in natural conversation when they're not being defensive about origins topics to deny that these all exist in the biological world okay <clears throat> naturalism without intelligent input always yields randomness no specificity no control no foresight for resources and no efficiency as in zero none there's nothing to measure um, because efficiency is basically a parameter of design and you can measure efficiency in something like atp synthase as uh, indicated earlier so i will stop there so that taylor can have a turn thank you hey, very much uh, we'll kick it over to taylor okay we're ready for um you. One moment, let me uh, share my screen real quick. I need to stop share mine. There we go. Okay. Okay. Let me see one one moment. Okay. Let's share screen. Okay. Can y'all see it? Yes. Okay. So yeah. Um. Today we're debating uh, whether science suggests abiogenesis or intelligent design. And I believe uh, science suggests that we are intelligently designed. Um, the purpose of science is generally a pursuit of knowledge. And there's many different fields of science, cell biology, physics, chemistry, theology, or philosophy. And actually most scientists do believe in God. So most scientists are not atheists, um, contrary to popular belief. 
And so there's a lot of questions that science hasn't answered yet, such as the creation of the universe, the creation of life, consciousness. And um, the more we learn, excuse me, sorry, the more we learn, the more we wonder how these things came about. And um, yeah, it doesn't seem like time is really on our side in terms of um, figuring out some of these main uh, problems that we cannot seem to solve. So abiogenesis is life arising from non-living material. And there's currently no working theory that scientists can come together and agree on. And um, people just think that if there's enough time, then the cell will get created. But contrary to popular belief, time does not really help in terms of these things coming about if there is not proper conditions for them to come about. Also, um, panspermia is another theory where life originated from another planet. But even with that, that just pushes back the question of where did life originally begin in the universe and how. Um, and also, uh, Darwin said, if it could be demonstrated that any complex organ existed, which could not possibly have been formed by numerous successive slight modifications, my theory would absolutely break down. Um, and in my opinion, and many other scientists believe that we have found things like this, where if you take away any component, the organelle will not function um, or different components of the cell. If they're taken away, um, the entire system will not function. So abiogenesis was um, first proposed by a Russian scientist in 1924. And at that time, we just thought the cells were balls of jelly. So we didn't really understand the complexity of life at that time. So um, in 1953, we saw the structure of DNA, just to give you an idea of how early abiogenesis was, was um, theorized. It was, it was very young and very early. And so at this time, we did not understand the complexity of the cell. But now we, now that we can see how complex the cell actually is, we are trying to figure out how this got started. Okay, so when and how life begins remains highly uncertain. This was actually a paper I read the other day on evolution that mentioned this. So scientists do acknowledge that when and how life began is highly uncertain. And the theory of uh, origin of life still requires fundamental, perhaps revolutionary developments. Here was another conference of uh, abiogenesis scientists who can still not come to any sort of consensus on how life began. So I love this picture of the flagellum. This is something I actually study. And um, you can just see the complexity of it and the beauty and the design. And so spe uh, specified functional complexity is a system with several interacting parts, which if just one part... I hate to interrupt you. I hadn't realized until just now, because I was trying to keep up with the live chat, is we're not actually seeing your slides advance. I'm not sure if you're changing the slide to the next one, but you mentioned the picture of the, I think, flagenta, and I- The flagellum, okay. Flagellum, um, thank you. Me, Taylor, I think that you, you must have shared your presenter view, and- um, Can y'all look at it now? Now, now it's changing. Yeah. James, oh, you're gonna cool. have to resize it though. You're gonna have to resize oh. the window. You okay, well, we'll just go from here then, it's okay. So here is the, is, every, is everything okay right now? I'm just resizing and it's ready right now. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, just the previous slides, I'm not sure what y'all saw, just going over abiogenesis. And this was the specified functional complexity, um, which is a system with several several interacting parts, which if just one part were removed, the system would not function. So I love this picture of the flagellum. It's actually something I, I work with. And uh, you can just see the beautiful design um, 
in the flagellum and the microtubules. And if one of these parts were missing, then the entire system would not function. This is what Darwin was mentioning, where if we find irreducible complexity, then we'd have to throw out the theory. I'm not saying that that's what we should do, but I'm just saying that we have, I believe we have found irreducible complexity to say the least. Um, yeah, so in terms of abiogenesis, uh, like I said, scientists cannot really come to a consensus on how life could have started um, from non-living materials. We cannot create a living cell in the lab from scratch. Uh, and so the RNA first theory is kind of the predominant theory. Um, and there's a paradox of this. Um, if RNA, if double-stranded RNA was the first form of genetic material to come about, then um, if it was folded into a protein form or an enzyme form, then it would not be able to transcribe itself. But if it was free, then it wouldn't be in an enzymatic form for replication. So there's a lot of problems here and paradoxes here. Um, and you can see on the side, this is a schematic of the paradox of the RNA first, in which many scientists agree that this is not um, a proper theory that we should follow. Also, you can see this huge number here. Um, this is how many randomized RNA molecules are required as a starting point for the isolation of a ribosomic in vitro selection in in vitro selection experiments. So like I said, if it's folded, it's unable to transcribe. And in the absence of other specialized ribozymes or excessive heat, how could the two strands of the ribozyme faithfully separate in the first place? So normally you need things like helicase or microtubules to come and separate the different strands of the RNA. And um, yeah. Okay. So here was a paper I saw earlier. RNA world hypothesis, the worst theory of the early evolution of life, except for all the other ones. So this just gives you a good um, a good uh, image of, of what we're actually dealing with here in terms of origin of life. And um, here's at the bottom left is a couple of the different problems with the RNA first hypothesis. Also, chirality is a big problem. Um, how could we have only had purely right-handed nucleotides and purely left-handed amino acids is very baffling to scientists. Um, so it seems like the more that we learn, the more we are baffled. And this is another example of how, because we know that in a if we if we are putting nucleotides together and forming nucleotides to form things like RNA, then um, you would have an equal amount of left and right-handed, which would make it not be able to polymerize into DNA, RNA, or protein. So, yeah. You got it. Thank you very much for that opening as well. Um, wait, I just have a, I had a, I had a, a couple more, but I can just like, I can, I can skim through. Sorry. So also, um, you know, here's, here's a couple of the different problems with abiogenesis. There's many different problems with it. Um, so you can look over those and start of the universe. Um, the big bang is also a big question for scientists about how it happened. Um, the universe could not have come from nothing, and there should have been equal amounts of matter and antimatter, and it should have theoretically collapsed in itself. Um, the fine-tuned early universe, so Sir Roger Penrose calculated that the probability of our universe starting out at very low entropy just by pure chance is 10 to the 123rd power. So this is how fine-tuned the universe is, and physicists agree, just like biologists agree, on how did this come about? How did life come about? How did the universe come about? These are questions that are, that are you know, the more we learn, the more we wonder. Um, and uh, people mention God of the gaps a lot. So I've came up with this term, the science of the gaps. So people have faith in science that, you know, well, just with enough time, science will be able to fix these problems and we'll understand it. So I call that science of the gaps because it's actually not even moving in that direction. And you're assuming that science is going to be able to solve these problems when we're actually moving in the opposite direction. Uh, and also, 
people uh, that you know argue against intelligent design use the genetic fallacy. Um, the genetic fallacy um, is that you cannot discredit a belief by discredit discrediting its supposed origins. So the attempt to discredit a belief on the grounds that its origins are dubious. So just because left. God may seem dubious does not mean that you should discredit the belief. And that's it. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much for that opening statement. We are going to kick it over to, you can say, the skeptics of intelligent design. Thrilled to have you here with us as well, Amy and Dr. Thompson. If it's your first time here at Modern Day Debate, folks, hit that subscribe button as we have many more debates coming up. You don't want to miss them. And with that, thank you very much, Dr. Thompson. The floor is all yours. I'm unmuted. Great. So thank you for having me. I'm glad to be back in Modern Day Debates. I also have some slides to share. So let's do that. And let me know when that's ready. It's crystal clear. Awesome. So, um, I, you know, thanks again for having me. I want to say right up front, intelligent design is not science. It clearly is not science. And I'm going to make that case, as is Amy. So intelligent design is, in fact, a political effort to counter the results of a Supreme Court case called Edwards v. Aguillard in 1987. That's when the Supreme Court decided that biblical creationism is religion and should not be taught in public schools. Intelligent design is actually just what I like to refer to as diet creationism. You know, it's it's got the same great taste, but none of the calories. The thing is, it has less explanatory power than biblical creationism. And in fact, it is a God of the gaps fallacy. The entire program is a God of the gaps fallacy. Anything science can't explain must be God. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Wait, I mean an intelligent designer. We can't use the G word here. By the way, intelligent design was also found to be religion in 2005 in a court case called Kitzmiller v. Dover. I encourage anyone to look up the, the, uh, the, the judge's decision in that case. They lay out exactly the fraud that is intelligent design. So let's walk through it. Intelligent design, what is it? Really, it kind of has two ideas, neither of which are actually novel. Intelligent design has one idea, which is irreducible complexity. Taylor kind of laid out the idea of irreducible complexity. This was formulated by Michael Behe in his book called Darwin's Black Box. Some biological systems have multiple interacting parts that cease functioning if any one of the parts is removed. Thus, it could not evolve via natural selection. That must mean it's designed. Magic. Specified complex information is the other idea that's there. Uh, that's been put forward by intelligent design theorists. This is formulated by William Dembski. So in that case, intelligent designed objects have patterns that are specified, quote, and complex that is unlikely to have occurred by chance. Therefore, it must be designed. Again, it's just ruling in place that God must be the, I'm sorry, wait, intelligent designers must be the explanation. So let's look at this. Let's check the intelligent design test and actually apply it to something. So there's something called sorted pattern ground. All right, we're going to get a little away from biology fear for a moment. Let's talk about something else. Something called sorted pattern ground is a phenomenon that we see in polar regions. This is an example of something that is specified and complex. People have theorized how these circles that are perfect circles, remember T-Rock said perfect circles don't occur in nature. But we have these nearly perfect circles or these perfectly parallel lines appearing in nature in the ground. And people theorize that maybe these were ancient humans that went to the polar regions that did this. Or maybe it was, you know, 
aliens or demons or maybe alien demons or something like that, right? Who knows? Well, in 2003, there was a study published in the journal Science where it conclusively showed exactly a mechanism to explain this. This is known, this paper is called Self-Organization of Sorted Pattern Ground. Now we know there are certain phenomena that happen with freezing and thawing cycles in polar regions. This leads to a self-organization that leads to this stunning pattern of stones and soil. There are just two uh, feedback mechanisms that we know work very, very well. And over the years, you're going to see the emergence of this pattern that occurs. So these guys used, you know, basically uniformitarianism that we know we can observe over time and then applying those principles across iterations using a model that allowed for us to see over time with their model, the exact emergence of these patterns. So of course there's a natural explanation for this. Geologists never pretended that like, okay, there must be some kind of magic that occurred, right? But if we apply the intelligent design argument to this, you know, if this was done prior to 2003, we would have to conclude that it was designed. This is specified complex information, right? So it's gotta be designed. But now that we have a natural explanation for this, for something that we can see is specified and complex, then it's not designed. This is illustrates why intelligent design is a complete dead end as a tool for understanding anything in life and in the universe. It doesn't actually teach us anything. So why is intelligent design a dead end? First of all, it has zero explanatory power. It doesn't actually tell us anything about very important questions about the universe and life on Earth. Intelligent design theorists don't bother to answer critical questions, such as where was life designed? When was life designed? For what purpose was life designed? Who did the designing? And the thing is, anytime you want to apply intelligent design to actually intelligent design objects, you can answer all these questions. It's actually quite intuitive. Let's look at an example. What does real intelligent design look like? Here's two examples. This, I would argue, is intelligently designed. This is the Russian Iskander e-missile that's being used right now by Russia to kill innocents in Ukraine. This is over here is the American Patriot system, okay? The American Patriot system on the right, is this missile system is being used to counter the missiles that are made by Russia that they're using to kill uh, um, you know, people in Ukraine. So where were these designed? Well, this was designed in Russia because it says made in Russia. This was designed in the US because it says made in the US. When was it designed? You could pretty much figure that out relatively easily, right? For what purpose? And this is critical, right? These have a purpose right? One is for killing, one is for protecting against that killing. There's a, a co-evolution arms race that occurs here where one is being used for the other. And who are the designers? We can answer this. Well, the Russians designed this, of course, and Americans designed this. And you can apply this to intelligently designed objects. I can go to any factory and figure out how is it being done? Who is doing the designing? The intelligent designers don't ever bother to answer these questions. Now, why am I spending so much time talking about military weapons? Well, it's because if we wanted to take intelligent design seriously for a brief moment, we would have to conclude that there are indeed multiple designers, just as there are multiple human intelligent designers. Nature is violence in tooth and claw. It is all about animals killing other animals. It's about plants killing animals, animals killing plants, even fungi, right? So this is cordyceps down here in the bottom. So this is from The Last of Us, this, this recent program that was on HBO. There's a, there is a kind of fungus that takes over the nervous system, makes them essentially zombies, has them crawl up, and then they sprout spores across the world. 
You're not going to imagine a benevolent designer creating these things. This is the design of psychotics, right? Who are clearly designing animals to kill each other. So these are the purposes that obviously an intelligent designer must, well, I'm sorry, multiple designers would have had to have applied. And it doesn't make any sense that there's a single designer because, you know, these are cross purposes. Why would a single designer create all these animals that are about parasitizing and killing? So I'm going to leave it there and I'm going to pass this over to my partner, Amy. Thanks very much. Okay, get over to Amy indeed. Floor is all yours, Amy. Thank you so very much, Doctor. Hello, everyone. My name is Amy Newman, and I am a newly minted professor of information systems, a counter apologist, and unfortunately, a prop comedian. Ugh. Thus, I'm coming to you not as an expert in biology but as a skeptic whose epistemological toolkit with the tools I trust come mainly from empirical means or in lay terms, science. When I don't know an answer that I want to know, I go to experts in the field, whether that is biology, chemistry, physics, or as far as I can tell, every other subject that's actually testable. This process is what keeps us safe from conspiracy theorists and people on the side of the street selling us oil made from the juices of pythons. So when we talk about intelligent design on trial, which is the subject of tonight, I find not the people sitting in the pews but intelligent design salespeople can be slippery. They don't like answering questions that would make their model of reality a tangible model in the real world. Creationists, which is what their original name, but they got kicked out of every court case they have ever put forth because even conservative Christian judges can tell you that God done it is not a scientific model. So they had to come back with something that at least sounded better, more sophisticated, more market tested. Thus, now we have intelligent design. They even made their own books, like the 1989 to 1993 of Pandas and People, created by the very much not Orwellian foundation of thought and ethics a Christian organization whose books include chapters with subjects like irreducible complexity, written in from Michael Behe, asserting that biological systems are too complex to have formed on their own. Yes, the ID community has even found their own mascot, the bacterial flagellum. Ah, which if you don't know what they look like, think of a cellular sperm? with a little tail motoring away. How else could this have formed, if not God? I mean, an intelligent designer, who is God. But we now know this tail may have had other functions, like being an injection tool, because nature is sloppy, working with what it has. In fact, we contrast artificial 
with natural. We are naturally forming. A television is not. There are no wild televisions hunting for electricity. We don't have those super cool 90 degree edges. Instead, we're soft, squishy, bags of meat. My last point is to question the notion that complex is a sign of design. Is there a reason most of us don't use the Yahoo search engine and instead use Google? Nice, clean, simple, Google. I'll have to Google that. Or how about getting into your car? Do you want a complex way of getting inside? Or something simple? We can do this over and over. Heck, sometimes we even need complexity. Oftentimes, for the designer to then clean things up and make it simple again. But the notion that complexity makes something designed is nonsense. In conclusion, I'm going to reach into my toolkit for someone who sums this topic up better than I could by Amanda Gefter from London Economics and MIT, writing in an article for New Scientist. Try this experiment. If you find yourself talking to a proponent of ID, say, okay, for the sake of argument, let's say evolution is wrong and let's forget about it. Now, tell me how intelligent design works. Having tried this a few times myself, I am confident that you will be met with nothing but awkward silence. End quote. Thank you. Thank you very much for that opening statement, Amy. We're going to jump into the open dialogue. I want to let you know, folks, we're going to have a quick one tonight. So the Q&A is going to be right after the open dialogue, and we're going to move fast. So if you happen to have any questions, feel free to fire them into the old live chat. If you tag me with at Modern Day Debate, that's one way to ask, or a super chat, we'll have your question go to the top of the list. And the table is set. Let's get to the main course. Thanks very much to our speakers for being here. The floor is all yours for open dialogue. All right. Well, I have a couple of questions, and I don't mind if, if that's okay if I can open with. So, um, T-Rock, you mentioned that human design has self-maintenance, and I'm curious if you can tell me a little bit about human designs that have self-maintenance that's equivalent to what we see in biological systems. Well, we don't. That was the point. Ah, so why would self-maintenance be a sign of intelligent design? Because the more a system can maintain itself, the more the the so I think everybody understands that the lower maintenance your vehicle is, the better it is for you. The more you have to cater to oil changes, spark plug changes, tire changes, the car can't do any of that on its own, right? Okay, right. And, but and but so like, why, why more, is that a more, sign of intelligent design? Though that's the thing that I don't get. Like you, you what? can't point to an example of why something that is fully just sort of self-maintained and self-propagating. I can. You've jumped right okay. past what I was talking about. Right. Okay. So when you take that concept and you take something as simple as, say, uh, self-lubrication. So there are bearings, for example, that are designed sure. to lubricate themselves. Um, there is a, a graphite. Do they ever wear out? 
Absolutely. <clears throat> ah, okay. And then what happens? Do they have baby bearings that then can go on and propagate? No, but the point oh, here is okay. to your original question. Well, as good as God's creation, it would. The point, I'm the, sorry. Wait, did you say God? I thought we were talking about intelligent design. Precisely. Which is God. I didn't know oh, that there was words we couldn't use. I'm well, sorry. I mean, I get a I, rule book. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, isn't that oh, so, the rule book okay? Somewhere. That actually that does help answer one of my questions. Like, who is the designer? I was, so, I was really joking, but right. anyway, okay, continue. okay, right. So I'm kind of curious. Then, so let, why don't we move on to that? So you say God is the intelligent designer. Is that right? So what is that? Like, I, you know, like I've got a phone here. It's made by Samsung. It says Samsung on it. It says made in China. I can go to China and watch the designers making my phone. Like, of course, it doesn't self-propagate. It's not going to be self-maintained. I have to charge it. It's going to break eventually. And I'm going to have to buy a new one, right? That's one thing that companies love. So I'm curious, when you say God, what do you mean? The designer. The designer. No, but what is that? Like, I can go to the Samsung factory and tell you about the Samsung factory. Like, who is there? Who put together my phone? But when you say God, like, just saying the designer, that doesn't help me. It's not specified enough. Let's say that. Right. Well, neither is the theory of abiogenesis or the work. We're not talking about abiogenesis. Have faith in science. Intelligent design is on trial here. We're Rock, talking I'm sorry about you intelligent off. design, right? Yeah, no, no you're okay. you're you're fine. I've just been listening. Um, yeah. yeah, it's. It, I I think uh, Taylor and I both agree it's the God of the Bible, the God described in the Bible. Okay, but, and so, so I I want to hop back. How do you know that though? No, actually, how do you know that designed objects were so? When you say that, all right. So what was designed by God? Were those rings that I showed this the the, uh, the pattern ground? The specified pattern ground that I showed, is that designed by God? So if you mean in the immediate sense, as in, uh, I, I, I can't answer that in the immediate sense, but I can tell you that God designed the universe, the stars, the planets, our solar system, our moon, the water that we drink, wow. the plants. How? Yeah, that's a brilliant how? question. That's just like I just can't answer how either. So can't answer can't answer how a big bang yeah. happens. Can't so, answer yeah, how a big design though. So so it's not the whole point here is not how it happened. It's yeah. Was it was it tell intelligently designed? Is the evidence stronger in favor of design versus a purely naturalistic explanation and so you cannot form a planet under naturalistic conditions period so how does a god form a planet i right. tried to tell you this we none of us can answer how anything you can't what? answer you can't answer true. you can't answer how if how is i can answer how my phone is made like i can go to the samsung factory i can look yeah. at the schematics I can and it was intelligent do. design wasn't it exactly yes i totally agree <laughs> but what you if know. no intelligent design is, like... is there does a does a cell phone get made yeah of course it gets made yes no right in the absence of intelligent in design, shops, no. Uh, okay, in the absence of intelligent design, no, obviously not. Right. Okay. Uh, yes. Thank you. Right. Of course. Yes. And there are processes that we can describe by which it was done. Who did it? When it happened? But you can't do that with your. I guess we're going to calling it the God. You know, design. And neither. Objects. Neither can y'all. No, I think that so we actually have question, excellent um, explanations for so you know, origins, that but that's not what we're talking about tonight. Not, we're talking about intelligent so design. Are you been, like kind of overpowering everybody? Oh, okay. Well, I'm just, just you know, like I'm trying to keep people on topic. The topic is intelligent design. Okay. 
Yes, exactly. Precisely. Um, So I had a couple questions written down from our introductions. One of them was that intelligent design is not science. And I wanted to know if y'all believe theology is science or is that no longer a science? What is your definition of science? I can give my definition, which it is a process, not a body of knowledge. It is about forming hypotheses, going out and collecting data and forming testable theories that people can peer review. And abiogenesis is not a testable theory. So should Okay, we but what's your evidence for intelligent design? Go, floor yours. You're saying that the cell, you're proposing an explanation for how life was created. So oh, you're proposing an explanation. I'm proposing have... intelligent design. So, so is abiogenesis technically a science if we cannot replicate it? And if we have no evidence to show that it happened? So this is the God of the gaps fallacy that you're talking about. And so you if you can disprove... Because there's it's no not science of the gaps, it right? Happened. Look, I'm how did not it happen? Then you're yes. you're saying that okay. it happened naturally, mm-hmm. and that's your sure. argument. So give me an explanation to how. No, my argument is gaps. that intelligent design is an insufficient explanation for. And so is the scientific explanation. So, that's not what we're talking you. about tonight. We're give talking about intelligent theory. design. Hold on, just to be Chris. sure that there's not too much interrupting. I do just want to be sure that we're able to hear everybody. And it's I appreciate everybody's passion. It's much better than a passion list debate. So I appreciate that. But I just want to be sure that because it defeats the purpose if they can't hear you guys, that there's not too much interrupting. So, Chris, let me let me kind of point out the fallacy in your your thinking there. You cannot explain. So so you're using a a modern historical context for design and now you can say, okay, I know I know how and who and where a cell phone gets designed. So that's purely human context. But you cannot tell me how the megaliths were constructed. You can't tell me how the pyramids were constructed. They're very clearly documented historical events. But there's hardly a person on the planet that can tell you how the Egyptians built the pyramids. I mean, they stacked some rocks on top of each other, starting from the bottom up. Now, do we know precisely everything? We have a bunch of different ideas of approximately how it was done. We know that there were human beings in that area at that time, that there were the settlements for the people that were assembling these things. We know that there's chisel marks on the rocks. We're not going to assume that it was some sort of magical sort of origination. There's evidence of that it was humans that actually assembled the, uh, do we know every precise detail? No, I would say not. And I would say that this is actually a great analogy to abiogenesis. We have ideas about how abiogenesis worked. The RNA world hypothesis isn't necessarily the best hypothesis. In fact, I'm particularly fond of the amyloid world hypothesis. I don't know if Taylor's familiar with it, but she should probably look at it because it's in fact sort of discussed in that paper that she cited at the beginning. I don't know if you actually read that one. It was from BMC. So Science, give us a walkthrough of the amyloid world. Well, I, that's not the topic of the debate. That We're is precisely about, the topic no, it isn't. of the debate. We are talking yes, we about are. intelligent design. Well, We're talking about intelligent design. Exactly. This is not intelligent you're design versus that it abiogenesis. You're proposing so let me ask, a good so hypothesis. Am, so am, I, am I irreducibly complex? That's a good question. Am I irreducibly complex? I believe that there's many aspects of life that have irreducible complexity. A- am I irreducibly complex? Can you please complex? explain the amyloid hypothesis for the no, viewers? I will it. let the, it's too boring for the viewers. I'm then not going to get No, they want to hear it. We I want to know. know, am I irreducibly complex? We're talking you about intelligent You mentioned something, design. you should be able to explain it. Of course, yes. And we can talk about, I mean, do you want me to Go bring ahead. up the paper? I'm going to kick it over can. to Amy if but, you guys can't agree. Yeah, that's fine. I'll let Amy. I do want to know, just to be sure, that the amyloid hypothesis is it fair to say that the amyloid hypothesis is this a hypothesis that favors intelligent design or other accounts of okay 
I will clarify, no, the amyloid world hypothesis is an alternative to the RNA world hypothesis. So amyloids are sheets of protein that apparently have some degree of self-assembly, and we have an interesting model for exactly how this works. Now, is this a full explanation for the origin of life? No, I would say it's an open question. We don't have a full explanation for the origin of life. It is a difficult thing to work on. I had a great conversation with Sal Cordova on my YouTube channel about this where I went into the details of like origins of proteins and other things and tried to explain it to him. But that's actually not what we're talking about today. We're talking about intelligent design. So I'll let Amy take over. How did that amyloid protein You could say uh, sustained on that one. In other words, I do think that because it's not per se an argument or hypothesis or theory in favor of intelligent design, I do want to keep it more focused on the arguments for intelligent design. And that one sounds like it's you could say for the opposite or at least something different. And so I do want to, without going deeper on that issue, Amy, what were your, what did you have in mind that you want to say? Well, I guess I had a question and maybe a statement because you said how you want to know how things like a self replicating molecule happen, right? Cause that's a scientific question. Yeah, you're proposing a scientific explanation. Sure, and you want to know how. How, 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 how. So I just want to reassert that you can say that intelligent design is real, but you can't actually explain a how to anything. You do not have any hows. And so I would like you to explain how God did anything. Back over you. Yeah, so how God created everything. he created the living cell and all of its working components at the same time, unlike um, the theory of biogenesis would be able to explain, where you basically have a chicken and the egg question with literally everything. Um, did DNA come first? Did proteins come first? He's saying a protein came first, but there's impossibilities with that. How was there um, all the right chirality form of amino acids present? How did they come together? How did it self-replicate? Um, so these are all questions that do not have answers, and they're critical um, so you cannot disprove that God designed everything, but I can disprove so, that abiogenesis is not possible. And I, I, I gave many explanations in my opening statement of how abiogenesis is not possible. So to answer your question on how God did it, your answer is real quick. Was your response? Did you not hear me, man? Yeah, she oh, said, I did. I said you God created it. all of the working components right. simultaneously. Right. But real that's quick. That's as, as okay, meaningless as and me then, saying, so is your theory that has no working theory. That, so I actually did. I heard you very correctly. That was your response. And then you went on to talk about abiogenesis and said nothing about how your God does anything. So I'll hand I it back over to you. It. How does your God, how about a planet? How does he, you said, I, 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 I think I got to re, I think I got to reiterate the problem with the direction you guys are trying to push this conversation. Nobody can answer how you can't explain how a planet forms naturalistically. (laughs) You can't explain how a moon gets in the proximity of the earth without destroying it through naturalistic processes. You can't even explain how the magnetic field of the earth has lasted billions of years. And, and so the point here is not to answer how anything happened. It's to indicate, indicate that that all of the criteria associated with intelligent design is readily evident in the biological world. Okay, so let's back up a little bit. Taylor, you mentioned the bacterial flagellum. And as Amy pointed out, this is intelligent design's mascot. So I assume that you feel that the bacterial flagellum is 
the is is uh, irreducibly complex at least i wouldn't say the flagellum is our mascot i would say the dna code is our mascot it's pretty awesome uh okay. but yeah i believe that there's irreducible complexity in um many many aspects of but the is the bacterial flagellum cell. irreducibly complex um yeah along with many other components of the cell are you familiar with the type 3 secretory system yes i've read all about it okay so does it have components of the bacterial flagellum um the it's type essentially the secretory system yes the type 3 secretory system okay can you elaborate on what what components you're looking for sure. in that so the type 3 secretory system has essentially just some parts of the bacterial flagellum and it's used for some protists to inject content into cells that it's trying to um infect or or to take over control of and it has basically some of the parts of the bacterial flagellum, but not all of the parts. So you could say that it's a simplified bacterial flagellum that's missing some of the parts. In fact, it's missing quite a few of the parts. So how is it irreducibly complex if a simpler version of the bacterial flagellum that is missing some of the parts actually has a function? Can you explain that to me? Uh, yes, because the, okay, so in the process of the flagellum evolving, it would not have had the critical components in order for it to function, but the type three secretory um, components are just, you know, extra and nuanced. They're not critical to the infrastructure of the flagellum. No, they're not extra. These are parts of the bacterial flagellum. It's not all of the bacterial flagellum. It's just some of the parts of the bacterial flagellum. If the bacterial flagellum was in, in truly like irreducibly complex, meaning if you take any one part away, it should cease to have any kind of function whatsoever. The I, type three secretory system clearly shows that there's common origin to these things, that one was taken from the other, and that like some of the components can be lost. Like you don't need all the parts of the bacterial flagellum in order for it okay. to have some kind of function. And so therefore, what components, it actually what components can have were missing? What function. components were missing that um... I, I, look, I'm a neuroscientist. I don't work in this stuff, so I'm okay, not going well, to be able to listen to you. Okay, well, you're asking me specifics, but, but every time I look ask up the you papers. specifics, such as the amyloid Taylor, protein fine. hypothesis, yes, and I will answer. send you. I will send you. Go ahead and explain it here. Then we're going to test your knowledge. I'm not going to explain it here. That's not what we're, we're talking about. We're talking so, about Chris, design. Chris, let's go over I, to T. That's ridiculous. I will be perfectly honest with you. I I am familiar with the irreducibly complex argument, but I'm not like super steeped in it. But I, it does honestly sound like you're completely misrepresenting what it is. Explain what I'm misrepresenting. Okay, so <clears throat> in my slides, one of the things that I was talking about is redundancy of systems. And, and this actually came up in a debate I had very, very recently. I was talking about um, how every living creature on the planet has a role that, that participates in this grand recycling scheme. So something was said about trilobites going extinct and the you know the, the balance of nature didn't fall apart because trilobites went extinct but this is exactly the point there is so much redundancy in nature to prevent easy extinction so irreducibly complex things can be if if an animal can go extinct or your spare tire can fall out of your car and no longer be there the car still functions and what if you, you take off one you, of the functioning tires, like one of the four tires that's attached to well, the car? Well, that's that's exactly the point why I said you're 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 kind of misrepresenting the argument because you can you can have a you can have just about any given system in biology 
and you can find that there's a redundant replacement for it that helps fill the gap. And so in in the um, and, and that's an element of design that is specifically an element of design. Redundancy is there as a fail safe. We no, do it in so. systems. All Man, of- my car has been in the shop enough times to know it's not particularly redundant. Did More you importantly, ever we should talk about the um, origins of life as well, instead of just nuances of, you know, different components of life, like the flagellum. So that's why I was talking about the amyloid world hypothesis and um, the critical things that it lacks in, in the ability to explain the origin of life. So um, I would like to go back to talking about intelligent design, right? So am I an intelligently designed organism? Like did someone design obvious, me? Obviously not, as we can okay. see. Okay. Well, well that's really kidding. nice of you, Taylor. Yeah, I'm really just kidding. That. Quite all right. I, it's uh, nice joshing. I, short I answer. That. Short answer. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Great. Absolutely. I get some sort of straightforward answer. So does that mean I'm irreducibly complex? Once again, you're kind of alluding to a, a very strong misrepresentation. Of What's the, the misrepresentation? <clears throat> there, there, again, the the point is not that you your your scaling is wrong. The, no, the point not. is, T Rock, have you read Behe's no, Darwin you, Black Box? I I just kind of answered that indirectly a little while ago. That you haven't. Okay. The the whole point here is and and to be clear, you notice in my opening statements, I didn't miss mention directly irreducible complexity. I, I believe it's a valid argument, but not the way you're you're presenting it. What I uh, am strongly pushing is systems integration. Are you integrated into anything in the world? Well, that I- it, Everything about design requires some type of integration, and you are highly integrated into the world. Because some of your metrics, I always find it weird what people think is intelligently designed and what is it. What is it about complexity that makes you think that it is the hallmark of design? Another misrepresentation of the I've never said that. Irreducible complexity was the hallmark. I think that the lack of theory for how life got started is the hallmark, in my opinion, Um, just because there's no working theory to how life got started. um, Something. okay. so the cell, like, for example, like the chicken and the egg problem with the DNA, the protein. So he mentioned the amyloid world hypothesis and that basically this protein had enzymatic functions and was able to replicate itself. Um, but we know that there would need to be other proteins there and a genetic code present along with the cell membrane and a form of energy metabolism. So all of these, all of these systems components would have needed to be there simultaneously. And that's how I answered Amy's question on how God created it. Um, even though that but, was trying to bait me, but anyway, but what about complexity to you says this makes it designed? It's irreducible. The impossibility it's not, for it to come about naturally is what makes me say that this is most likely intelligently designed. Okay. Sorry, it's it's not complexity. You, you keep misrepresenting the argument again. It's not complexity. That's not what's at issue here. T-Rock, no, I, I'm sorry. I, I can't help it that you're ignorant of the intelligent design argument. But the major players that are the intelligent design theorists. If you're talking about Stephen Darwin Miller, came up or, with the irreducible Hold on, please interrupt statement. me. Uh, no, I, he did not. So we're talking about yes, Stephen did. Miller. We're talking about William Dembski. We're talking about Michael Behe. All of them, they even have it in the words of the things that they made up. Specified, complex information. Irreducible, 
complexity. That okay. is the crux of two the argument. Really, two really important points that you're completely off base on. Number one, you're not debating Michael Behe. Number okay, two, but I thought we were talking about intelligent specified design. Complex, specified complexity is a very different thing than complexity. I So complexity is not connected to design at all. In in and of in and of itself, that's not even the argument. That's not what I was arguing. I was not saying because of irreducible complexity we are designed. I was saying from a lack of theory for abiogenesis and um the start of the universe as well. From a lack of working theories so, of these okay. models, that's what I'm Taylor, wait, Tell me a little bit about what you believe. Is the Earth 4.5 billion years old? I believe that the universe and life was intelligently designed. Okay, that doesn't answer my question. When did the design occur? Let's talk about that. I haven't I haven't researched things like, you know, how old when? the Earth is. That's not even what I'm arguing. I'm are arguing you curious about it at all? I mean, like, I can tell you when my phone was made. intelligently designed. Okay. Yes, but when and the more we learn about these systems, the more we realize that these could not have came about on accident. And T. Rock, do you have any answer well. to when, like, oh yeah, the you know, you know, I do. Go ahead. You could say it. <laughs> you know you could say it, man. Um, <laughs> Don't be shy. Uh, no, I'm not. Six thousand years plus there we are. a couple hundred years, right. and how do we know that? We know that by the absolute best scientific methods oh possible, God. which is eyewitness accounts. Can so I just point Taylor, out now? He's that, oh, you're just trying to on? discredit him, and that. I just want to point out, if you think the world is 6,000 years old, you are off by 99%. Yes. Like, that is More a... That. Like a Somebody's off by a huge percent, yeah. Sure. It's the difference between the distance between New York and L.A. and thinking that L.A. and New York are actually around 26 feet up away from each other. That's yeah. the difference. So now you're trying to argue about. things that don't even pertain to intelligence. No, it's critical, Taylor. I'm sorry. It absolutely is critical. So you okay, need to have some idea like, of when this actually happened. That's not even relevant to the conversation. It's not so, irrelevant. It's not at all. Okay, well, like when things were argument. designed, that's insane. That is completely insane to me. I'm sorry. But you have no curiosity about when this actually happened? Zero? Sir, we're talking about how it came about. Okay, so let's talk about it. What was designed at the beginning? Was it just like a single cell? Is that what you think? I think, I think that a cell was designed. Yes. Okay. One cell. So, what did humans evolve from a common ancestor that was? Shared and I'm not going to tell you all the nuances of my theory until you at least give me a layout of yours, which you have yet to do. Oh, you have yet I, to even explain okay. the Amarillo. Taylor, you work in biological and you're sciences. Asking me you're well, you're certainly well acquainted with what I believe, which is I'm not talking about the nuances of my theory until you give me a layout of yours. Actually, believe. You I don't can't need even to give me a layout of your uh, theory. Taylor, asking, I, look, I will have you on my YouTube channel and we can talk about it and we can hash it out because this I'm very is, curious we're to hashing talk it to you out. Let's hear no, it. we're not hashing it out right here. We're talking about intelligent design. So You're when saying we're that humans... intelligent design isn't true and that science okay. can explain Let's, it all. all right, so give me your all right, scientific all right, method. Taylor, Taylor, you're, you're not answering the question. T-Rock, why don't you tell me when humans were designed? You still have an answer. When were humans designed, T-Rock? Day six of creation week about 6,000 years ago. Thanks for being at least precise you actually have more explanatory power adopting biblical creationism than you do using Taylor's method, which is intelligent well, design, which is like, I don't know. Who knows? To, to be, be clear, you don't so know. Years, you can't even give your own theory. Years. I don't know. Chris, okay. tell us your theory, which you have I, yet to That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about intelligent design. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I think the audience can see through that. But anyway. Well, okay. So, so listen real quick. Um, to be clear, a couple quick points. I did not come here to argue classical intelligent design. Okay, but I that's the premise here. of the debate. 
It no. says intelligent design on trial. I'm looking at the title of what the debate. Maybe is right so, now. but that's not the email I received. Point number two, though. The, 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 I, um, hold on, I got to collect my thoughts again. But, um, but to to Taylor's point, if you want to say that intelligent design is not an answer, you're going to have to compare it to something else to say that something else is a better answer. And actually, I would say my entire point of this debate is to show that you guys can't answer questions, like not none, that it will I, always I've just been be pretty said. direct with my answers. Thank you. Well, you have been very direct in your, your your bit of biblical literalism. I will accept that. But I will say if we were to ask how God actually did anything, the how, and that is one of the points I asked that because science is about the how's. Like, we're not about why questions. Do. And science can't answer these how questions. If they could, That's we wouldn't exactly. be here. Exactly. I would not That's... be here if there was a working theory for abiogenesis or okay, for well, Big Bang. Look, so th and you're saying science has answers. So where are they? Yeah. So I would say, let's take T-Rock's uh, proclamation from the intelligent design perspective, that human beings were created on day six of just creation. trying to pick apart our theory no no no, no. actually like, giving explanations. so science has an excellent explanation for the origins of human beings We're right well there was a uh, there's a common ancestor between chimpanzees and human beings via the process of descent with modification via natural selection and sexual selection determined to be a fraud wasn't it just mm -hmm. to let him finish want to hear yes i first. don't need to be interrupted taylor i would appreciate it so um the yes lucy is just one of the many australopithecines that we have as oh, an okay. example of the other australopithecines like there's a you can look at the gradient of human evolution the australopithecines certainly walked upright but they had very small brain cases and then if you look at later fossils in the fossil record then you start to get into homo habilis and other homo homo species now they the early ones had relatively small brain cases but they're getting larger and larger and as we go on through evolution we can see bigger and bigger brain cases the nobel prize this last year went to to savante pabo he's a scientist from sweden who works at leipzig university um at the Max Planck um, uh, uh, Institute for Anthropology, I believe it is, and primatology. He was working on ancient genomes. He has sequenced the Neanderthal genome. He has a ton of papers on the topic of human origins. I encourage anyone to look at these papers. They're fascinating, super interesting work, clearly laying out the case of human beings sharing a common ancestor with not only Neanderthals, but the other homo species and getting into the australopithecines. And the genetic evidence just clearly shows that at the very least, chimpanzees and human beings shared a common ancestor. I, I think I'll take direct issue with your use of the word clearly here because 40,000, whatever the number is, I know there's a broad range for the existence, the, the alleged existence of Neanderthals, but I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you can correct me on this, somewhere on the order of 40,000 to 200,000 years was the existence of Neanderthals? No, Neanderthal origins, it's not, so based on Savante Pablo's work, we can best estimate that the, the, the last common ancestor between Neanderthals and human beings was around 700,000 to 800,000 years ago. Okay, so seven to 800,000. I just want to jump in. I'll give you a chance to respond to rock But I do want to mention, folks, we're going to jump into the Q&A pretty quick here. So we've got a little more open dialogue, but the Q&A is coming fast. So do get those questions in in the live chat if you have them. Go ahead, T-Rock. Okay, so so you're saying seven eight hundred thousand for the beginning right. of Neanderthals up to about forty thousand years. Am I am I yeah, correct on that? Yeah, that's part? right. Okay. No, around forty thousand. Okay. So here's here's my point though. The, your whole use of the word clearly. Um, mm -hmm. 
under naturalistic conditions, real world natural conditions, there is no reason in the world to expect that Neanderthal DNA lasted 40,000 years. There is none whatsoever. That's not true at all. Savantapalo has papers that show how long true, it can last. Chris. No, no. How long it can last is, yes. is that's the whole Under the problem. right conditions, it can last a very long time. Fossils in tropical regions that are exposed to high temperatures. Yes. Thermal and conditions okay. where um, Neanderthals are found are exact opposite of how you calculate the alleged hypothetical conditions. So a paper published the other day, a new scientist um, actually quoted this. It's a paper about evolution. It was published recently. This is a very, um, uh, very high esteemed journal. It says the fossil record, the fossil record is like a movie with most of the frames cut out because it is so incomplete. It can be difficult to establish when a particular, particularly evolutionary changes when particular evolutionary changes happened. So it admits in itself in an evolution, pro-evolution paper that the fossil record is like a movie with most of the frames cut out and that it's very incomplete. So okay. you have, it, when yeah. your own scientists acknowledge this, you have to acknowledge it as well. Sure, I would acknowledge that there's incompleteness to the fossil record, but there's enormous uh, uh, um, conclusions that we can draw from fossils. And I'm still waiting on your theory yes. for the Aliens origin of life. Well, we're not talking, that has nothing to do with the origin Amyloid. of life. The amyloid hypothesis, I'm still yeah. in here, but it's okay. I, hey, look it up. It's you great. You cannot give a working But we're talking about intelligent design. So let's get to, so so T-Rock, you say that I'm intelligently designed. Am I an irreducibly complex system? You keep going back to the same points, but yeah. you're saying Again, that you have you're misrepresenting Well, the look, the thing is, T-Rock at least can give me some answers. Taylor, you have no you answers. You can't give answers either. I'm still trying to get the We're not talking about my theory. If we want to have another debate, James, have me on next time and we'll talk about it. But I'm not, we're not here to talk about it. I do want to be sure that we, let's see, we may actually jump into the Q&A early. So... I want to let folks know that you're watching. Don't worry if you've enjoyed this debate, as I'm sure you have. We've gotten a lot of good engagement. We may actually do a part two of this in the future. We had a late start tonight, and so I promised the speakers that we are going to get them out of here within about 15 minutes of right now. And so I do want to say if you have those questions, let me know as we're going to speed through the Q&A so we can get everybody out of here on time. And any final thoughts? Drawing the threads together, we have one question that's already come in. Oh, I just want to say one final thing. The reason why creationists, intelligent designers, why they bring up things like abiogenesis, consciousness, all of the outer edge scientific hypotheses that we're working on is because they don't want to defend intelligent design. And so they go towards the things that we're basically working on and they go, aha, you haven't solved this yet. And it's like, yeah, that's the that's the entire point. That is why it is the edge of science. That's not evidence for intelligent there design. There are possibilities within those theories. And I have not heard any good evidence for intelligent hey, design. The night is still young though. Well, 15 more minutes. Young. Okay. So again, let's, let's, let's kind of cap that real quick because this idea of, I haven't heard evidence is like, it's so subjective. How do you want to define evidence? But, no, but no, no. forget no, all, yeah. forget all that for just a minute, because again, going back to how we actually recognize intelligent design and Chris brought up a, a couple photos of, of tanks that are obviously designed, but, those systems have the exact types of parameters that I listed as indicative of intelligent design. So per my, er, my 
very beginning, uh, my opening, tell me which one of those efficiency, integration, resources, redundancy, system control, self-maintenance, adaptability, input, specificity, tell me which one of those does not apply to both building tanks and biological systems. Tell me which one. Self-maintenance? Like, the, we could start there. We already talked about this. But no, show me you, how a tank you, is you fully self-maintained. the conversation before we actually developed it. Okay, well then explain to me how a tank is self-maintained. I, I gave you examples of how you, tanks You were pointed one part of a lubricating bearing. That's not the whole tank. You, again, you keep interrupting. You talk for three minutes uninterrupted, and then you won't okay. let us talk 15 seconds without but, interrupting, hey, Chris. So, take, take so you want to hear Go it? Ahead. Be quiet and listen. It goes like this. We have minor instances of self-maintenance, like self-lubrication. It was the one that I brought up. We would like to have more. So you took your cell phone, for example. Your cell phone doesn't go charge itself. But guess what? We actually have designed electrical systems that do go charge themselves. And the more of that you can do, the more advanced the design is typically considered. Biological systems are highly self-maintained. Mechanical systems are very are doing it at a very low level, which could send us into this very interesting conversation about biomimetics. What do engineers in the real world actually do to find higher levels of design? They look to the biological world. Can I just very quickly ask T-Rock what he thinks is efficient about a giraffe's neck? Um, there. So I, I talked about this a, a little bit, not a great length, and there's never enough time to, but every animal on the planet serves a function in the biosphere, right? Giraffes and, and virtually all animalia are some sort of horticulturists. So giraffes play a particular role in um, horticulture where higher level foliage and stuff like that is concerned. So they need the taller, they need the longer necks to reach higher than most other animals are able to. So what's efficient about it? They are designed so that they can take their head and dip it down to ground level and get a drink without their heart exploding. And people would love to know how to replicate that type of design because the pressure that you get built up in your brain, or, or and I said heart, your the brain, the problem is you, you get too much uh, fluid pressure down on the brain whenever you have that much weight um, and that much mass, fluid mass uh, pushing towards the brain. But giraffes with their long necks actually have a workaround so that they can do that efficiently and that doesn't sound efficient that sounds like it's on the edge of, um, if it wasn't if like you that. were if you were actually an engineer i i might would give some credence to what you're saying but i i, I don't see it that is an actual argument at uh ad hominem at, not adam mm -hmm. This is a great opportunity to go to the Q&A because we do have such limited time. I hate to do that to you, Amy, but we do want to move really quickly. I want to say thanks so much for your questions, folks. If you enjoyed tonight, folks, I've got to tell you, we are going to try. I'm going to try my darndest to get a part two of this one because this one's especially short as we had a delayed start tonight. This one coming in first from Bubblegum Gun says, Chris and Amy, why are you scared to debate me on modern day debate? Don't worry, he says that to everybody, but I'll give you a chance to answer. Can I answer? So, Bubblegum yeah. Gun, listen, man, you don't have to debate us. 
you can argue with the creationists. You can argue with T-Rock. T-Rock believes that dogs and wolves actually share a common ancestor. And he actually believes that all the canids share a common ancestor, right? So, and so do I, right? Because there was a single kind on the ark and that they evolved via natural selection to have this vast array of really interesting complex animals that we refer to as the canids. T-Rock believes this, as do I. I don't know what Taylor believes because she's an intelligent design theorist and doesn't actually have any explanations. But d debate T-Rock, man. Don't come at me. I also just, just, want to just to they be have clear, no I don't believe either. natural selection had anything to do with the speciation of canids. Oh, Taylor, you, Taylor, you want to get a jab in on that jab from uh, Chris? <laughs> I'll give you a chance to respond. Oh, if that, you I don't want. have any explanations. Um, I'm still waiting on yours, sir. So whenever you uh, think of how it could have happened naturally by your Juicy. theory, just let us know. Great. So let me move. then get the final say, right? Because you know, the question was for us. Taylor, come in my stream. Let's talk about canid evolution. I would love to talk with you about canid evolution and hear your inputs on it. You have so the working knowledge for this as a biological scientist. Just, Let's work on it. We'll, we'll come and we'll talk theory. about it. I'll, yeah. I've got to move to the next one. This one coming. Well, Amy, if you can give me in one sentence, why are you so afraid, in the words of Bubblegum Gun, to debate him? I will debate him at any time. I'll debate anyone, anywhere, and you know, wherever it's safe, I will debate you. Juicy, can to I, say the least. Can I, I also just add argument from it's authority? Super pithy, just because I have to get through a lot of questions in eight minutes. I'm sorry. It was an argument from authority fallacy because when you are speaking to an actual uh, authority and you are appealing to them, that is fine. But just saying you're not an engineer. I have taught robotics class for years. I have at least an information systems and a robotics background. That is not, however, why a giraffe's neck is not inefficient. It was cobbled together. That was a little bit longer. I'm sorry, James. So back over this one. Coming in from Super Adams Vid says, if I was to mirror any single cell atomically and hit play, would it be alive? Where would design begin and chemistry stop? Can't allow any more rebuttals, by the way. So you've got to give a quick pithy answer and I gotta move to the next one. If you were to mirror a living cell, I'm sorry, you can go ahead too, right? No, I was just wanting clarification for who it was for. That was for you, T-Rock. Sorry, can you repeat the question? They said, if, if I was cell to was mirror, mirrored, would it be alive? Any single cell it, atomically and hit play, would it be alive? Where would design begin and chemistry stop? Well, that's, that's a really interesting question. Um, you're actually kind of outside the capability of science altogether there because um, what it alludes to is if you put all the ingredients together correctly, is that what causes something to be alive? But because the um, the naturalist cannot define um, what or how AI a biogenesis happens, they cannot answer that question anyway. Excellent. But the short answer is no, it would not be alive. It would just be an assemblage of stuff that's fixing to fall and apart. What's it? What's it mirroring if there's no life there? Pseudonym says. After show on Amy Newman's, but to the intelligent design team, would you agree that you don't know, quote unquote, how, i.e. mechanics of how an intelligent designer did the designing? And they said versus at the atheists. So we'll give you a chance to respond to that first. And then we'll get to the question for the atheists. 
Oh, we already answered that question. Um, I think he simultaneously created each component, but you know, it, obviously we're not going to have all of the answers for the same reasons that the um, my opponents don't have all the answers on how life got started or a working theory of abiogenesis or they even any evidence that it happened. To the atheist, do you claim to know the mechanics? Why does science say I don't know? I, I mean, do you want to take that? I can take it if you don't want to. Sure. Sure. So science doesn't necessarily say I don't know. It is investigating the question of life's origins diligently and thoroughly. It's a difficult issue to address because you're talking about billions of years of evolution at the molecular level that does not fossilize, and we can only piece it together by looking at the genomes of animals living today. But at the very least, our side can talk an awful lot about what actually happened as far as life on Earth, and it's fully consistent with the data as presented. Genetics, fossil evidence, biogeography. When you get into the details, like looking at canid evolution, none of it makes sense with the create the little the literal biblical creationist model, which at least that gives us something to work with. And as far as intelligent design goes, no explanatory power whatsoever, other than to say that an intelligent designer did it, and I'm not going to get tell you anything more beyond that. This one coming in from do appreciate it. Magellan said, "How is the Lola?" L-O-A-L-O-A, -A, a worm that lives inside your eye and slowly turns you blind, an example of intelligent design. If we were intelligently designed by a perfect being, why would there be any diseases at all? Um, Taylor, if you want to take that, you can, but I'll go if you don't. You can go ahead. So that's really really interesting that that the uh skeptics and the naturalists always try and do this that's much more of a theological question than it is a design question it's got high functionality regardless of what it's doing but the benevolent designer created a very good world where that sort of thing did not happen again this is a theological question if you can't grasp the science you're not going to grasp the theology at all but um the the benevolent creator i.e the god of the bible created a very good world where that sort of thing did not happen it was the fall of man into sin that caused all of creation to basically pursue paths that they were not designed to do. In other words, free choice kind of thing. You can eat of the tree or not eat of the tree. You can eat the vegetables you're told to eat or eat an animal that you were not told to eat. So the world is in decline right now because of that and uh, disease and carnivory and all of that is a direct consequence of not following the intended design. You gotta, gotta move fast. This one coming in from, do appreciate your question. Ozian Talks says, if there are possible natural explanations for an event, then there is no reason to presume intelligent design. Intelligent design is an unfalsifiable claim with no evidence. Well, if there were the contrary, then I agree. If there was explanations, but we have yet to receive them, um, and there's no working theory, um, as I mentioned before. Now, if you could propose a working theory, then I'll say, look, you won, you won. But I have yet to receive that. This one, and not for me, that was a, today. 
for me that question slash comment was uh, from the from the questioner in the audience was a big fat logical fallacy because um d intelligent design can do what randomness can do but randomness cannot do what intelligent design can do so to say that you, to even to even claim that you have a good naturalistic explanation for anything that exists is another big fat scientific and logical fallacy but you're you're basically saying that if i have a natural explanation therefore intelligent design cannot be true that's just a, a big fat logical fallacy and and i'll go on to say that um when you when people like chris chris has done this uh, multiple times now when you say a designer would or would not do this or would not do that you can't tell what another human individual would or would not or how or or should not design anything you can tell me for example to design you a vehicle to get you from here to california you have no idea whether i'll even put wheels on it or not this one coming in from do appreciate it mont mont said i would like to hear taylor comment on orgel's first and second rule it's spelled o-r-g-e-l orgel's second rule uh do you have the rules pulled up let me look at it right now orgel um, while you're looking that up, I just wanted to mention the genetic fallacy, which has occurred many times during this debate. It's the attempt to discredit a belief on the grounds that its origins are dubious. So Orgel's first rule is whenever a spontaneous process is too slow or too inefficient, a protein will evolve to speed it up or make it more efficient. That's in an already second. living cell. That's an already living cell. We're not talking about from, from dirt and from non-living materials. That's an already second. living cell, so it makes sense because we have a wonderful designer. The second one is, is this really what it is? That evolution is cl cleverer than Cleverer you. than you are. Yes. Okay. That's what gotcha. it is. Gotcha. Yeah. You got it. Well, then why can't we, why can't we even give a working model for it? Oh, we have working models. We can talk for about evolution? it. evolution? Well, you have yet to give it, so. Like, we're not talking about evolution tonight. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're I talking about intelligent design. precisely what we're talking about, intelligent design. Anyway. All right. Of course. This one coming in from, do appreciate your question. Mont, Mont, we got that one. Thank you very much, Ozian, for gifting those memberships in the live chat. Folks, if you haven't yet used those emoticons to call your friends a soy boy in the live chat. Average Gamer Moves says, if there is an intelligent designer, why would they create the Babirusas, in parentheses, swine in Indonesia, upper tusks, to keep growing to the point of penetrating their own skull causing death isn't that evidence of bad design us trying to ponder god is like an ant trying to ponder us and i don't think it's ever going to happen unless that that was a rinse and repeat. Case you can talk to this one from that, that was a rinse and repeat of the 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 earlier question of the exact same thing and the the bad design equates to not design is another major logical fallacy you can poorly design anything you want doesn't mean it's not designed well this one i'd like to give a shout out to the multiple designer theory so super adams vids says can we take a second and all look at how okay thanks for your kind words they uh, say jacked. James has gotten. I appreciate that. That's uh. It's true, man. You're totally jacked. It's the camera ads like. Ah. Uh, you know. No, like, James. Look, the camera ads. I'm gonna say the same thing, but no one's gonna say I'm jacked. That's funny. I appreciate that. This one Your from. By the jacked. way, can I give a I'm huge just... credit? I want to let you know, folks, for the thumbnail. 
I know that Chris looks insane, but I've got it. Which I, by the way, I appreciate you being such a good team player, Chris, because a lot of times I ask people, "Can you give me an insane look?" Or you know, and I appreciate you were very you worried about that. So, I'm, I'm uh, this esteemed professor at Virginia Tech, and you're like, "Can you sure can you ask this guy to give me a crazy look?" And I sent you five pictures, and you're like, "Man." This guy, I swear. Yeah, I was That's happy to do it. Whatever. Like, a I can't, collection of crazy if I can't make fun of myself, like, you know, then I'm just going to be taking I it. I think you look intelligently designed. That's, That's lovely. I Maybe appreciate you don't. that. Thank you. It's very kind. And this one from, let's see, Coffee Mom says, if science is insufficient to prove creation, why is the scientific definition of evidence so impossible for creation, if, I mean, intelligent design? Uh, why is the scientific evidence what? They say, why is the scientific definition of evidence so impossible for intelligent design? Why, why is the scientific definition of evidence so impossible for intelligent design? Yeah. They why say, is the definition is so impossible? To prove creation. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. think it is. Um, I think that um, science is a pursuit of knowledge. And like I mentioned earlier, the... Theology is a type of science, and uh, we're just looking for the most logical explanation. Um, and yeah, if there's, it, I I don't think it's that the lack of theory. I don't think it's the lack of scientific theory that makes mine um, true. But I think it's the impossibilities within their own theory that make the intelligent design theory more correct. Because there are impossibilities in abiogenesis that I mentioned in, in my presentation, in my opening presentation, that nobody here has addressed. So that, that I was just real quick, that, that claim about the definition of evidence, another huge logical fallacy. Definitions of words are subjective by definition. We decide what we want words to mean because a group of people got together and created a definition to exclude a creation approach to science does not mean evidence is impossible for science. It means your definition has excluded it. My definition has not. This one coming in and from... There's and there's no evidence cannot, for my We cannot take theory. any more questions, folks. I wish we could, but we're going to finish reading these last few, and we're going to let these guys out of here. This last several, we have one. Thank you very much. Medical Mastery says, Monkey Man Theory Lost Tonight. Monkey man theory. Is that like a new uh, way of making fun of evolution? Is that what you Apparently. That, I guess that's directed that... to us. Cool. Okay. Yeah, call me monkey man. Okay. It's fine. That's I'm actually an ape, but that's... you know, I, I'll, I'll hang with my, my monkey brethren. Aren't we all? That's new to me. I haven't heard that one. Let's see. This one from Dr. Kent Hovind. Uh, <laughs> I have a feeling this isn't actually. Is the after that's show on Amy Newman's channel, Mr. Curry? Okay. <laughs> Apparently they're a fan of the prank soundboard calls. I appreciate that. Uh, this one from Ozzy and Talks says, I didn't say intelligent design was false. I said it was unfalsifiable, so it can only rationally be accepted when all other falsifiable possibilities are excluded. Yeah, and I think we're at that point um, where all other possibilities are excluded. I think the theory of abiogenesis has been shown to have impossibilities within them, and I named many of them in my opening statement that I received no rebuttal for. You got uh, it. The, the logical fallacies keep pouring in, unfalsifiable. Um, the truth is unfalsifiable. You can't make something that's true false. It's unfalsifiable, literally. And so that's just another huge logical fallacy. Thank you. And 
This one coming in from, do appreciate it. Magellan says, T-Rock and Taylor, do you ever realize how, let's see, I, they say, I'm not persuaded. Your fall of man excuse for bad design is textbook, no true Scotsman fallacy. Um, another huge logical fallacy. <laughs> they just they just won't quit with this stuff because <laughs> the no true Scotsman fallacy is is basically like it's a it is applicable in in a lot of circumstances. But the problem is is that we have a Bible that's been preserved for thousands of years, so it becomes our standard. So we have a book to define the Scotsman, so to speak. And so it, it this is not a no true Scotsman fallacy at all. I, 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 it was incredible to me the the silence I got back from Chris whenever I compared my parameters in biological for design in biological systems as compared to um, uh, mechanical systems. They're they're parallel to the T. It's just that one is far superior than the other, obviously. Well, and I would if you're calling me out, I'd like to respond. I would say that the you know, the similarity, if you want to draw any similarities, clearly shows that. If we're going to assume intelligent design, that there must be multiple designers, and I want to hear, you know, for our polytheistic folks, that you know there must be multiple designers out there. If we're going to assume that all of this is intelligently designed, it certainly doesn't make a lot of sense that like the the fall of, from grace and somehow that that led to parasites that in, innervate our eyes and like eat our eyes from the inside out because I ex I I, Eve this. ate from an apple. I explained I this before, Chris. Um, the whole point behind the fall is that if you're given specific instructions, like don't put water in your gas tank and you put water in your gas tank, do you think something bad's going to happen? Penn says, oh. and Red Piro 1 says, if we are created after God's image, does that mean that God cannot use the restroom when he has swollen prostate? I don't know. Is swollen prostate that makes it hard to go to the bathroom? Yes. As you get older. I don't, I'm not speaking from experience. <laughs> okay. This yes, that's why old men. <laughs> I know it did. For a second it sounded like that, but no, I don't know that from experience. But yes, that's indeed what happens. Prostate can get swollen in older men, and therefore they can't pee, which is why they got to get up multiple times in the night and take a leak. That's what wow. he's talking about. And why is oh, that intelligently designed? And, and if it is, does that mean God is designed in the same way? Because if we're creating God's image. Interesting that, uh, sorry, Red Piro, if you're going through that. And this one coming in, Cool Lambo says, T-Rock, will you marry me? Wow, T-Rock, you got a fan out there. No. <laughs> okay, wow, what an ice-cold rejection. This one, I think this is our last one for the night. Thank you very much for your question. Thunderstorm says, was wondering opinions on Nikola Tesla vortex math called the fingerprint of God. What are your guys' thoughts? Nikola Tesla was a lot like Newton. He was a genius. He had a lot of really cool ideas. He also had a few out there ideas. Cool this guy though. One. This, any, anybody else? Cool. I think that's it. Let me just double check. I wanna say thank you folks. Uh, our guests are the lifeblood of the channel. So we do want to say we hope you guys really, we do appreciate their liveliness. And that's what makes it for a fun debate. And, you know, we're all friends at the end of the day. We, you know, we disagree lively and, you know, we press each other and we poke each other. And then we're kind of like, hey, you know, no problem. Like, I hope you have a great rest of your day. And, you know, we're always there for each other in the hard times. So we appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. It's been a true pleasure. Taylor T. Rock, 
Dr. Thompson and Amy, thanks for being with us tonight. Chris, I want to take you up on that offer. I'd love to come on your show and talk with you. That would be great. Yeah. And, you know, any, I do have a YouTube channel. I just plug it real quick. I talk about neuroscience. I talk about evolution. Um, yeah. If anyone wants to, I'm close to 2K subscribers. I, apparently that doesn't matter, but I do want to get over that 2K mark. So if people want to subscribe, that'd be awesome. And I'll take you Chris, up on that for sure. Chris, do you care to have me on your Yes. I would have you on too. Sure. We could talk one-on-one -on -one without, you know, a bunch of. Yeah, definitely. I'll have you on. I'll reach out. Okay. And there's an after show at my channel, if you'd like, and also sending love to the MDD discord as well. You should all check out. Thank you. Appreciate that. And I'm adding guest links. It's been a crazy day. So I still have to add guest links to the description box. I'm doing that right now. So give me two seconds as I add those. So I do want to say folks, don't worry. Most like only about like, less than 1% of our viewers of this debate see this debate while it's live. So folks do want to say refresh the page as I do want you to see our guest links. And that includes if you're watching later on, maybe you're watching in the video on demand and want to say thanks so much for being with us to our speakers and our audience. Thanks so much for your questions. Keep sifting out the reasonable from the unreasonable and we will see you next time, folks. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.